Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard and alongside me, uh, my co-host, Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you doing tonight? You know, I'm, uh, I'm doing well, Grant. It it's, feels like it's been a long week. It's been a long year, but TCU plays football in three days and that is something we can all take comfort in. I, you know, I would say the same, except that I don't like the Baylor game. Uh, but th- let me ask you this. Does this week feel like a Baylor week to you? I, I, on Sunday when we talked, I didn't even realize it was Baylor week until you said it at the end of the podcast. No, it, it really doesn't. And, I, and I, I have a couple of theories for that. Like, one, the schedule got changed, and so we don't really know when anything is. You know, we have to, to relearn the schedule. Two, I'm, I'm not in college, and so Halloween really has very little value to me. So I don't have that as a fixed point in my mind. Uh, and so it did feel like just another week and not just kind of this, you know, spooky TC Baylor on, on Saturday kind of thing. Um, three, man, TC football's one and three, and they've lost three home games. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I, I think I knew that, but I didn't intellectually know that. And so that's definitely kind of dampened my anticipation of the future, uh, as it were. Yeah, for sure. I I think, and I, I, both of us kind of wrote this today, but the, uh, revivalry, a term, I I can't tell you how much I hate that term. Uh, but the rivalry between TCU and Baylor ramps up when the teams are good. And we went through that weird stretch where I was in college, you were just out of college and both teams were good and it was super fun. And now it's just like, okay, well now we got to play Baylor. And if we win, great, we survive. And it's not, if not, I'm going to be mad for a week. And that's kind of what it feels like. Point of information, it is very fun to me when TCU is good and Baylor is bad. Um, yes, that was great. The, it's uh, even more fun to me when TCU is bad and Baylor is bad and TCU wins by 40 uh, <laughs> circa 2016. So th- there, there are multiple configurations uh, that could generally make me happy. Um, is this year one of them? I don't know. I'm not sure I'll ever be happy again, Parker. Uh, I have two questions. One, uh, do you have any fun Halloween memories since we're going into the weekend? What's the best costume you've ever worn? Uh, so, okay, I, I, uh, I, I come from a weird family, and I'm very happy with my weird family. We, we did uh, a festival of melons and gourds at our church uh, that okay. just happened to fall on Halloween, uh, just coincidentally. So we went trick-or-treating and stuff, but, but nominally, we, we didn't really celebrate Halloween. I, I will say my, my starkest Halloween memory is in second grade when I went to this festival, Melons and Gourds, and then we went to a, again, conveniently timed get-together at a, a friend's house. And I was dressed like Luke Skywalker. I had this little laser gun. It was awesome. My grandmother, who had to be 75 at the time, dressed up as Squeaky the Clown. So I'm in oh. second grade. My grandmother is Squeaky the Clown. She painted her face. She had a red nose. She had a clown suit. She did not come out of character. She would not answer to her name. She insisted she called us Squeaky. And it was horrifying. I have, I have memories today that are, are I, I, I've been scarred for life by my grandmother dressed up as Squeaky the Clown, refusing to answer to her name and insisting she was a different person. I don't think anyone's ever said that sentence before. That might be a brand new one. That's great. I, uh, I have no good Halloween you? costumes. Yeah. I have no good Halloween costumes. I was Albert Einstein one year um, as a kid, and I think I pulled that off really well. 
uh, in college, I copped out and just stole a ref shirt from my job at the intramural uh, department and was a referee for four straight years. Um, I still have that referee shirt. I might, might break it out, but, nice. uh, my, yeah, my, my the, the, the best one I've ever had the best. Well, I did go as Gary Patterson freshman year of college. Mm. Because I had a bowl cut and I'm chubby, so it worked out pretty well. Um, I, I think like half of TCU at one point yeah. wins Gary Patterson. You just seem like a visor and aggressively hitch up your khakis at all times. Absolutely. Tied my shoes a bunch. Uh, the, the best Halloween costume I ever had was in high school. Some friends wanted to go out. I didn't really want to go. And I, I wore a blue sheet and I glued some cotton balls to it and I took a water gun. When someone asked me what I was, I said, I'm partly cloudy with a chance of rain. And I would squirt them with the water gun, but only like every other person I would squirt with a water gun. Because it's a chance of rain. It's not actually rain. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So life. nerdy. Terrible. I kind of like it. Uh, and then, okay, well, that, that went somewhere I didn't expect it to. The other question <laughs> is, uh, while we're going down memory lane, uh, TCU Baylor, do you have any specific memories that stick out uh, from watching these games throughout the years. Okay, well, how many times have you gone to Waco for this game? Can I tell you something? I've only seen one TCU Baylor game in person, and it was last year. Oh. Oh. I, it was well, a really, okay. really weird, like, alignment of, like, it was fall break my freshman year, or Thanksgiving my freshman year, and I went home. It was fall break my sophomore year. Junior year, I don't remember why I didn't go. And then senior year, uh, it was in Waco. Oh, man. Well, I've been to Waco three times. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I've been to Waco more than that, which is unfortunate, but I've been to Waco for this game three times. Um, and all of them were all of them were bad. The, the worst one that sticks out for me is 2014. Uh, I had graduated college in the spring of 2013 and weathered that terrible 2013 football season. Um, who, again, that team was underrated. That team They were bad. No, I I I don't think they were. I think they were unlucky. Were they could they have beaten last year's team? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, 2018 is the worst TCU team we have seen in No, 2019, I mean. Oh, 2019. Well, yes. I think I just, they were if, one in six of one score games. Wanna talk about unlucky? Uh they're a different kind of uh I think I think I think game. nostalgia is is clouding your memory. That's actually that's actually kind of how I got started in 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 sports writing generally was uh I, I did a fan post on Frogs of War called Were They That Bad about the uh four and eight 2013 team. So I, I've been I've been on that for a long time. Um so I uh 2014 I come down to visit my girlfriend the weekend of the Baylor game. We go down with her parents to Waco for the 2014 TCU Baylor game. And uh, the, the game happens. I have no comment. I have no description. It happens. Um, and we go back and we, we go to the hotel, this Hampton Inn, like 10 miles north of Waco. So, you know, you, you, you get out of the toilet bowl, you cross the river, you walk back under the interstate to your car, and then you sit in traffic for 20 minutes to go five miles. And then you're at this stupid Hampton Inn Express or whatever. And we split hotel rooms. And I'm in the hotel room with my, with my father-in-law, who is 100% going to listen to this podcast and laugh aloud at this story. And we turn on and it's, it's Ole Miss and somebody are playing the game. And I only remember that because TCU played Ole Miss in the bowl game that year. And 
my father-in-law and I don't know each other very well at this point. We're splitting a hotel room. This might be the first time that we have been alone together. TCU is just lost violently, uh, I will say. And uh, my father-in-law tries to make small talk in the hotel room at like 8.30. <laughs> and I look at him and I say, Jim, I don't want to talk right now. And we are silent for this entire second half of this Ole Miss game. And then we turn off the TV and we go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, yeah, was, uh, I have a very similar memory. I was at, like, I was at home uh, in Bay city watching with my dad and my dad and I get along really well. Like we've probably had two fights in our entire life. And one of them was because of this game. Like I, I've never really gotten those videos you see where someone like punches the TV or, you know, screams at a family member because of a loss. I, I got into a yelling match with my dad after that game. Uh, because he kept saying, like, I mean, it was pass interference. And I was like, I know it's pass interference. Stop saying it was pass interference. I'm aware. And we – I, it, it was not good. Um, that game ruined a lot of weekends for people. Yeah, that was, that was real it was bad. Ugly. It real was bad. ugly. I, I did enjoy the uh, 62-22. That was a lot of fun. Oh, my um, gosh. And, and someone reminded me of that today on Twitter. Kyle Hicks – single-handedly yeah. just ended Baylor just yes ended the regime uh, I, I, I don't want to go into any more detail than that but we all know what I'm talking about there was a thing going on and Kyle Hicks single-handedly said nope we're gonna beat you by 40 and this is not gonna be a thing and and that to me is just spectacular you can go ahead and take the t-shirts off yeah, um, exactly yeah so TCU Baylor has, has always I swear TCU never plays a normal game of football but I don't remember any normal TCU-Baylor game. Um, I'm trying to look back and, and think, but uh, it just seems like every year there's some weird wrinkle. Like one team is really bad and like is completely one-dimensional on offense or, you know, both teams are really good and it's a 61-58 like complete shootout. And I don't necessarily know if there's ever been like a, yeah, TCU won 34-17 to and it was totally normal. Okay, so this, you're a youngin. I'm just going to say that. 2010 TCU just whooped them 45 10 uh well, and then, a sophomore in high school so that's great yeah yeah and then and then uh 2012 was 49 21 a pretty a pretty solid beating as well um and then and then i think i think 2017 was the yeah, year that was... where that was that was maybe the only normal one where it was like tcu is good and baylor is not and we expect mm-hmm. this result and like baylor tried to start a fight at halftime or something stupid yes, because okay Yep. And, and, and a couple of people got suspended for the Big 12 championship. It wouldn't have mattered. We would have lost to Oklahoma regardless. Right. But that game was 45-22, and that really feels like the only expected outcome uh, of the series in, in the Big 12 era. And that makes sense because I did not watch that game. I was covering a second-round high school football game in Brownwood. Hmm. It was a Toller against – I don't remember who they played, but they lost. And uh, Newton maybe? Anyway – um. So, yeah, I, I, it was that, that day. My dad and I drove up because um, I was at home for Thanksgiving. And then I didn't watch it, but I saw the fight. And that's about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that makes sense. It, I, since we're going on memory lane, one more, 28-21, uh, 2015, the rain game. Any fond recollections of that? Yeah, that was the rain game for the pours. I was in the club that game enjoying multiple nice cups of, of warm coffee and, and sitting under the uh, – under the cover. And so that wasn't the rain game for me. It might've been rain game for the rest of you nerds, but 
I was at a wedding rehearsal dinner for my cousin, Will, uh, who's a tech fan. Uh, and we'll hear from him later on in this podcast. And uh, he has no reason to care about college football. He's a tech fan. So uh, he scheduled his wedding for college football Saturday. And I missed the rain game. I was well, sprinting back and forth from the rehearsal dinner to the bar so I could watch it on a TV. Uh, I probably was not a very good greensman. Life, life happens to all of us, you know? It does. Um, okay, wait, two things. One, uh, because I've, I've just gotten feedback. People like the banter, so I'm glad we're bantering. And because of that, I'm going to say another thing. I'm going to shout out uh, my, my best man, Kyle. Uh, at our wedding, it was in the summer because I'm a, a decent person. Mm. Uh, and not during college football Saturday, but college football is very important to me and, and my groomsmen. And my friend Kyle went together and strung together highlights from all of TCU seasons from the fall we entered TCU until my wedding. So we went through hand by hand and pulled out big plays and came up with this like three hour oh, no. uh, TCU football highlight video that we just had on while we were getting dressed for the wedding. And so we got to relive some, some college football moments while we were preparing, knowing that, Hey, we're not actually missing live action. So it was pretty great. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, very, very that is a uh, really a plus. That's a great groomsmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that because that game was on a Friday, that TCU Baylor game, the ranking game, and I remember yes. we were getting dressed during Michigan Ohio State. Oh yeah, and I don't think it was the year that that uh, was it a Michigan player that flipped off the crowd walking into the tunnel. No, I, I, I thought you were going to say the spot. It wasn't the spot. Oh, it was not the spot. It was not the spot here. Uh, it was the year Ohio State beat Michigan, so they all run together. But uh, I, I just have a very vivid memory of getting dressed and drinking Fireball uh, while watching Ohio State, Michigan. As um, one does. Yeah, as one does. Okay, well, let's talk about this game, I guess. Yeah, might as well. Um, it, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Baylor is one and two. TCU is one and three. Now their team is very exciting. Go Frogs. I mean, I, I, you know, it just, it, it's, it's going to – it's going to be a rock fight, Parker. It, it is. And it, it, it might be one of those weird games where whoever has the last turnover wins. Hmm. Um, because it's not going to be who has the last score because neither team is going to score uh, reliably, I, I don't think. So I'm definitely expecting this. I mean, when you think about it, TCU and Baylor kind of had this weird run from like 2013 to 2017 where, you know, as – uh, 58-61, 38-41, 62-22, 45-22. In the last two years, it's been 16-9 to and 23-29. to So, and, I, and that was in triple overtime. Oh, yeah. So I think we're – yeah, that was 9-9 to in regulation. Um, that was 9-6 to in a minute and 30 seconds left of the game. Uh, yeah, so I, I think we're going to get another 16-9, to like very weird uh, kind of game here. I do too. Uh, Baylor brings in Dave Aranda, who is the defensive coordinator for LSU in the offseason. Um, I think he has done a decent job on the defensive end. I think that he still does not know what he wants his offense to be. Larry Fedora is the offensive coordinator, uh, former UNT and uh, UNC head coach. Uh, I, I, you know, I think it's probably taken some time to implement that offense. Charlie Brewer has been banged up for the last four years, basically. Um, and so it just kind of looks like – it looks like a year one team, basically, in Waco. And meanwhile, TCU is on year, uh, you know, pie or whatever it is. I mean, just a weird year. So 
It, it does look like a year one team, not in the same way that Baylor's 2017 under Matt mm-hmm. Rule looked mm-hmm. like a, one, a year one team. Um, and I think part of that is the, just the sheer returning talent on offense that they have. Uh, I'll say I think very highly of Dave Aranda, and I credit him substantially for the job he's done with that defense, given that they lost so much production this I year. Agree. I think they were, you know, like 120th in returning production on defense. And so the fact that they're still, you know, floating a top 40 defense, uh, despite that, it, it, it is pretty impressive. Um, I, I will say that the offensive side of the ball is a little bit rough. Uh, I, I think Brewer's health is such an issue that a new coach maybe is a little bit reluctant to kind of like flex his ability there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a real bad situation in in Waco just because Brewer's clearly not healthy enough to be a hundred percent and Brewer at whatever percent he is, whether it be 80 or 40 is not a, not a power five quarterback. And they have two guys, whether it's uh, Jerry Bohannon or Zeno, uh, the backup, who could come in and, and, and probably be the quarterback of the future. And so tensions around the quarterback situation in Waco are, are, are pretty high there. Um, the other bit I'll note, just kind of big picture, that I think is very funny, some comments that Dave Aranda has uh, about TCU's team this year yeah. are very funny because he, if he's going to have success about TCU, he's going to learn the lesson that you don't give Gary Patterson bulletin board material. You say very specific, very concise, and precise compliments, and you don't mention anything bad. It's uh, so like Lincoln Riley last week was talking all about how Gary runs his defense. Mm-hmm. And everything he said was very specific to how Gary runs his defense and nothing else. Uh, and so Dave Aranda said about TC's offense last week, it's a little bit of this and that. We have to take care of our end of it so, so that they continue kind of searching for another week. And, uh, and I'll just say, Dave Aranda is going to learn, don't, don't give Gary the, the bulletin board material. Be quiet and take the win. Can I, ask, can I also ask something? Yeah. Is Dave Aranda wrong? No, not at all. No, 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 right, no. yeah. It's true. Like, I, yeah. You just, you just don't need to say it out loud. Like, you'll learn to not say it out loud. I, okay, I wouldn't poke the bear like Tom Herman did talking about Gary's defense. But, I, dude, you can poke fun at the TCU offense all you want. Like, they, they don't have an identity. It is a lot of this and that. And, uh, listen, if, if this makes Gary turn the offense around, then Baylor should – like, I, I will drive up and give Dave Aranda a COVID um, – certified hug like if this is what it takes for TCU to open it up or find an identity that's great but I I don't think Dave Aranda is wrong at all no no not not in the slightest it's not about the 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 substance of his message it's just about the fact that like there's some tact and relationship that some people who have been around the Big 12 for a while well no but Aranda is going to learn soon yeah for sure And, and listen I Matt Rule was extremely nice and a very good coach. Um, he dressed like an idiot, but he was a very good head coach. Uh, now that he's I, gone, can I say, Shehan told me it was because he was worried about his man boobs. That's why he wore the uh, – oh, I can relate to. I'm there. I can 100% yeah. relate. Yeah, so, no, but, but 100% Matt Rule literally yeah. was like, I don't want my man boobs to be on national TV, Nike. What do you have? And they were like, here's this smock thing. And that was his life. I, You know what? I have spent the last like three years trying to hide my man. So I, I'm all in. That's fine. Um, I, 
what I was getting at, though, is that I think Patterson liked Matt Rule, or at least liked him as he does any other head coach. So he wasn't going to go out of his way to insult him or the Baylor program. That was not the case under a certain former Baylor head coach, um, in which Gary went out of his way to compare, like, any minor infraction that happened at TCU to, to Baylor. Uh, I, I don't think Dave Aranda is going to draw that sort of ire just because he's not going to run a corrupt program, I don't think. Well, and he's um, like a decent functioning human being. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with this. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with whatever Art Briles slander you want to put out there because like that dude a bad is bad person. Uh, uh, not just did he make mistakes, but then he doubled down to try and uh, hide those mistakes and justify his behavior. And that's reprehensible. So I'm, I'm fine calling a spade I, a spade there. I, 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 let me tell you this. So I, when I was in Granbury, it's about 30 minutes east of Stephenville, which is where Bryles coached and won a couple state titles. And I was talking to a lady who worked for uh, the Stephenville School District at the time and lived in Stephenville. And she said it was, it was just a crock of uh, BS that, you know, Bryles would make sure all his players were in church on Sunday morning. But also, like, he was covering up all a bunch of stuff that they did off the field. Um, and it kind of Reminded me of what he did at Baylor. I'll say that. But I, you know what? I, I have friends that went to Baylor. I'm not trying to bury, you know, the entire Bears organization. Art Browse is gone. So is a um, buddy that went to Liberty, the AD. Help me out here. Ian uh, McCall. Yes, thank you. And uh, I, I, I thank and hope that they've cleaned house. Um, because I want a rival that uh, I can make fun of on the football field and not because of things that I can't make fun of. You know what I mean? I, so, I agree uh, with that totally. And because just like generally decently. Yeah. I, mm. I liked Matt yeah. rule. And I think, and I think the thing about Baylor under Matt rule, I was able to say, Hey, I like Matt rule, Matt rule, man, that photo, you remember it, that photo of Matt rule after Baylor blew the lead against Oklahoma last year, where Matt rule has Charlie Brewer and is holding him. Yeah. Matt rule has tears in his eyes and has the Baylor bear hand up. And I'm like, that's a college football. Game. That's awesome. I respect the hell out of that. Um, he, he's a great dude. And yeah. I, before you say this, I want to please clarify something and just cover my bases here. Uh, I want Baylor to be a good program because I don't want bad things to happen to people. Not just so I can not make fun of Baylor for something. I would make that very clear. Um, but anyway, but no, like I, I grew up a big North Carolina basketball fan. I hate Mike Krzyzewski. I don't think he's a good person, but I also don't think he's done uh, anything that unsavory off the field or off the court. And that's kind of what I want out of Baylor. I mean, Dave Aranda seems like – he seems like your nice, weird, smart uncle. You know, that, that might be like a computer programmer or something. Yeah. It's kind of really fun at Thanksgiving, but, you know, kind of quiet, stays to himself. Anyway, yeah, so Dave Aranda, good dude. Uh, I am very interested in the way he runs his defense. So I, I watched LSU last year a ton because I thought they were really fun. Um, and Aranda was aggressive. And you can be aggressive – when you have a ton of NFL athletes, which LSU had. At Baylor, he has some talent, uh, especially on the defensive line, but I, I don't necessarily think that his scheme is going to work against the elite offenses of the Big 12. Now, TCU is not an elite offense, but I'm curious to see how it would hold up against Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Okay, can you explain that to an idiot? Can we flip this segment around? Let's, let's go backwards on this. Sure. Let, let's play, explain, it, explain it to an idiot. Except I, I want to know about what you think about Aranda's defense because I just did a very preliminary look at, like, who's been used the most and then kind mm -hmm. of, like, how big they were. 
that was my heuristic for what position do you play? Right. And to me, it looks like they effectively play a four-two-five because they kind of have that Jack uh, linebacker who is sure. in between a defensive end and a linebacker. He's effectively like when TCU puts Parker Workman in a two-point stance, that's what mm-hmm. he's doing. And then they have the star who is effectively TCU's weak safety, the Kendrick Van Zandt. Uh, so I, I, I kind of feel like this isn't too different from the 425, but again, that's just painting with a broad brush. So, so what is Aranda doing on defense? Well, and, and that's really interesting because I, I watch pretty much, I watch most of the Texas game and a lot of the time he had three guys with their hand in the dirt, uh, three point stances. So it looked like a, a three, four or a three, three, five. And then he had an edge rusher um, star Jack or whatever uh, lined up on the outside. That's their base package. And it did look like a four-two-five, but there were three guys with their hands in the dirt and one guy's an edge. So I think that technically counts as three, three-five, or three-four. Which is kind of what I wish TCU would do with Marcel Brooks, but we'll come I back completely to that. agree. Exactly. So that's their base package. And here's the deal, Parker. They almost never bring more than four from that formation. Well, that's great news for TCU. I know. It's it's really interesting. So the one, the one thing they do have is a guy, Jalen, most of the time it's Jalen, I think, Petrie, number eight. Um, do, do you remember, this is very, a very specific play that has stuck in my mind forever. 2014, TCU, Oklahoma, uh, Ranthony Tejada got a sack from a corner blitz. I do. Okay. That, I thought Ranthony Tejada was going to be the next, like, uh, Ed Reed or Darrell Rebus after that play. Um, Petrie attempted. He was not. Yeah, the next he was. He was not. Although I, I did like Ranted. <laughs> he did so well in college. I'm he very did. happy. He really happy. did. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, Petrie tries to do that. What feels like once every four plays. Um, he's aggressive and he tips himself a lot. Now he is quick. Uh, Texas actually did a pretty decent job, I thought, of, of of mitigating him. But he will, or or the the player in his in his stead, attempt to kind of jump and bring pressure. Uh, from the corner position in that base set occasionally. Um, but you could almost always tell when he's going to do it because he'll creep up. You know, if, if you hard count him, he'll, he'll, he'll lean a little bit. Mm. And uh, it's really easy to watch on tape and say, okay, I think he's coming. And then boom, he comes. Um, so that, that's one thing to notice. Okay. Normally I would say that's pretty great. I, I'm very worried about TCU's backfield picking up those blitzes. So like I, I'm worried about the offensive line picking up that edge pressure, but I'm also more worried about the, the you know, running back who stays in uh, picking especially that up if it's because they haven't. Like, especially if it's Kendry Miller. Again, not trying to talk bad on Kendry, but pass blocking is not a strong suit. Um, no. I agree, and I am also curious about uh, Max Duggan's autonomy at the line of scrimmage. If he has, like, a, a hot key he, he can, or hot play he can call and say, hey, this guy's coming, let's, you know, switch it real quick. Um, I'm curious to know if, if they'll kind of give him the keys there. Well, and if in, in general equilibrium, like last year, Duggan screwed up a couple times and they, they brought in Delton and, and that messes with someone's psyche and knowing yes. that there's not really a second option, maybe Duggan will be more empowered to do things. Uh, I agree. Scrimmage, so. Yes, for sure. Um, so that's kind of their, their base set. Aranda brings a lot of really inventive fronts. Um, I have two screenshots in the column I wrote today from uh, it was back-to-back plays against Texas on Texas's first drive of the game. So they have a, a, a four-man defensive backfield, second and 11. All of them are within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Then up front, you have two-point stance, three-point stance, 
two-point stance, three-point stance, three-point stance, two-point stance, all at the line of scrimmage. So it pretty much alternates. Interesting. Uh, yes. And then on the next play, they had if, – if you're – so near side, two guys at a three-point stance, and then three guys at a two-point stance uh, lined up at the line of scrimmage. And Petrie came from the inside corner, and uh, two of the players standing up drop back into coverage over the middle. So they'll bring pressure from interesting fronts and try to kind of confuse the quarterback and disguise where the pressure's coming from when they're in different fronts other than that kind of three down, uh, one edge. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it is very it, – it, it's, it's noticeable. Now, I'm, it's, that doesn't mean it's easy to read when you're a quarterback, but if you're watching the game as a fan, that's something you could say, hey, something – you know, this is going to be something to pay attention to. Can TCU overcome it and scheme around well, I wonder, Grant, if there's not some efficiency gains for TCU off of this because you think about uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, uh, and Oklahoma to to a large extent just pinned their ears back and just yep. just came. Just we're like we're going, we're we're gonna rush. And so I wonder if this wrinkle isn't something else that TCU or Baylor's defenders are thinking about, mm-hmm. and so maybe potentially hampens their rush because. Or, or their past events because they're putting, you know, they're, they're not optimizing matchups and, and banking on execution, which is really what Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State really focused on. And so I, I, th- this, there is a world where this becomes too cute by half and, uh, and, and Baylor's attempt to disguise pressure actually hampens their pressure against an offensive line that, is, that has really not been able to even just line up across their man and win. I, I don't disagree. Uh, the one thing that gives me pause is that uh, Baylor doesn't have James Lynch anymore, who was a great pass rusher, but they do have uh, Terrell Bernard, who's their edge guy. He's pretty good. And defensive end William Bradley King is a grad transfer from Arkansas State. And he made some plays early against Texas. Um, and he, he's he's an every down guy. Uh, and he's not dropping back into cover. So they'll always pretty much have at least one dude that is talented and can get there regardless of scheme. And he'll pin, their ear, he'll pin his ears back. Uh, can they key in on that one guy is going to be the question. Definitely. Well, and, and, and I'll, I'll note two things. One, Max Duggan stiff-armed James Lynch in the face. He did. It was he did awesome. Do that. Yes. Uh, two, I, I think I'm actually pretty interested in kind of uh, – so if you think about defense, I'm going to be crazy for a second. Just bear with me. If you think about defense as like a, a series of processes, right – and every individual has to complete their process for a defense to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. So the probability of success on defense is almost like a function of the these process of, of how likely it is the worst person completes their process, right? I, is- I have a I have a very funny thought that only people that are sickos and look at football Twitter will think about on this, but this is basically the Aaron Donald thread from the other day. Um, where okay. one player was doing his job and the rest of them weren't. So yeah, uh, prayers that's, up. For, that's 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 inside baseball, but prayers yeah. up for Brian Burke is all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I I agree with your overall principle. Yes. So this is this is basically Michael Kramer won the Nobel Prize in Economics last year for this. It's called the O-ring theory of economic development. It, it, it's the O-ring theory of of defense. And so your, your weakest link on defense kind of determines your ceiling on defense. Is this a and challenger so, reference? 
O-ring. That is the O-ring is, is yes. he thought of it because of the challenger. The O-ring okay. is the, is the piece. It's a tiny little piece and it was faulty and ultimately yep. resulted in, in the tragedy of the challenger. So not to make light of that, but that same kind of logic of yeah. the, the weakest link determines your ceiling determines your outcome. Um, Baylor's defense does have a, does have a weak link. So uh, actually Ranthony Tejada's little brother, uh, Raleigh. Ra- Raleigh is 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 kind of Baylor's lockdown cornerback. He's only been targeted um, five times, and, and so targeting target data for cornerbacks, I think the the volume of targets is kind of indicative of your quality. If you're getting targeted more as a cornerback, opposing defenses don't think much of you. Um, and, and so we can evaluate on your performance when you get targeted, but we can also assume the counterfactual to getting targeted is defense is throwing away from you because you're covering well. And so uh, Raleigh's only been targeted five times. Mark Milton has been targeted 14 times on the, on the other side of the ball, their cornerback. And, and he's pretty weak. He has a 59.2 coverage grade and uh, he's allowing 11.2 yards per completion. So, I imagine that Baylor kind of has this decision to make. Are we going to put uh, Tejada on – is it Tejada or Texada? I'm sorry. It's, I, it's Tejada. It's, it's Tejada. Tejada. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are, are we going to put Tejada on the deep threat, uh, Quentin Johnston, or are we going to put him on the possession consistent receiver, Blair Conright? And what they decide to do there, I think, is going to shape a lot of what TCU is able to do on offense because the, the person that Tejada is not on is going to get open more often. Um, and so that's really interesting to me. I completely agree. Um, I will say that – so Tejada's listed at 5'10", uh, 185 pounds, 188 pounds. Against Texas – so he, he was targeted four times um, – once against Tariq Black. Now, I remember this play. It was a 72-yard completion, but there was a kind of a mis-coverage alignment there. I don't know if it was Tejada's fault. Um, I think he kind of got bullied at the line of scrimmage a little bit, and Black was wide open. Um, the other three targets, Parker, were all against Brennan Eagles. All of them were completions. Uh, now, that was 10 yards average, um, but Eagles is a bigger guy. And I'm wondering if TCU can stick Johnston on Tejada and say, hey, we'll put our big guy against kind of a small – a good, but a smaller corner. Well, I, yes, I think that's what TCU would prefer to do. It'll, it'll depend largely on where Baylor lines them up. Oh, know, right. Like, yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah, um, I guess you don't really get to choose who you line your receivers but, up against. I just, that's the ideal is what I mean. I'm really interested in uh, – I, I, I mean, I, I can't say his name. Petre? Or is that where I think we're, it's, I'm, I'm going Petrie, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go real redneck. Peter, the, uh, <laughs> I definitely don't think that's, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the star kind of that like weak safety yep. outside guy, uh, Tay Barber ate boo, boo Radley Hines up, uh, mm-hmm. on a couple plays. And so I think if you could get a pairing of Milton and Petrie, on one side and have Conright or Johnston and, and Tay Barber and kind of run that cross rub corner. I think there'll be a lot of success there where you have, you know, a a potentially slower athlete in the, in the star linebacker having to cover Barber. I think there could Mm -hmm. be a lot of hay there kind of just because Baylor's focusing so much on Quentin Johnston as a deep threat and kind of sacrifices the, possession so if TCU kind of goes for a more possession pass game potentially some fruit there 
I agree. I also think that Petrie likes to come from that edge, whether it's star or whether he's – because he's listed, I think he's a linebacker safety. Um, so He's, he's for, the Kendrick I, I guess, Van Zandt. Yeah. He's the Kendrick Van Zandt, right. So if he's lined up over a receiver but comes in on pressure, that does leave – Hot I mean, route. Does anyone, hot route. Hot route. Uh, yes, there's definitely opportunities to exploit there as well. Um, Parker, can I ask you about the Baylor offense? Well, can I can I can I plug one more thing that was in of my course. preview? Of course, absolutely, you can. Yes, Baylor's missed thirty three tackles in their first three games. Is that bad? That is very bad. Um, and so TCU has really shown a lack of big play ability. Uh, but if Baylor's offense is prone to miss tackles, that kind of raises the ceiling on TCU's explosiveness. So just something to look out for. I agree. I did thirty three is a lot of missed tackles. That is jarring. Uh, yeah, so so I think ultimately they're, it's weird because Baylor's defense is good, but I think they are poor against the rush and then potentially uh, prone to some mismatches. And so I think there are opportunities for TCU to really exploit a really good defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Let, let's talk about the offense. Sorry, okay. I, can, I can monologue. No, over. you're fine. I was – Vamping there so I could check. Uh, it is Petrie, I confirmed. Went to the Baylor pronunciation guide and their media Very guide. Good. So our did long you, national uh, nightmare is over. Did you know that I am in the Baylor media guide this year? Oh, no. Why? Yeah, I have been cited about uh, returning offensive line starts. So it says Parker okay. Fleming and it, Grant, it says Stats of War. They, they sent me to the Twitter account. I'm very proud of it. Oh, them. wow. Okay. I'm sure Baylor fans will love what they find uh, at Stats of War. Yikes. Okay. All right. Good for you. That's awesome. Very proud. I, I earned zero dollars for that. So speaking of needing an agent. <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> okay. Baylor's uh, <laughs> offense. What, what are they doing, man? Okay. Gun to your head. Would you rather have Baylor's offense in 2020 or TCU's offense in 2020? Oh, can I take the gun? No, I, I like <laughs> – I think TC because they, they're just not explosive at all. Okay, do you know why they're Char- not explosive? I could tell you why, at least in my opinion. You know how many passes Charlie Brewer threw against Texas over twenty yards? Zero. Zero. That's why they're not explosive. Do you know why? Because he's I, hurt. I think Charlie I mean, Brewer's shoulder is like in a billion pieces. Yeah, I agree. And again, that is not make like I feel bad for Charlie Brewer. No, I like Charlie. I think Brewer. he's a good kid. Like yeah. I feel bad about this, but he is like severely limited by his injuries yeah absolutely um and he's getting hit once every 8.6 dropbacks he, he's Jeez. just getting he's getting abused this year and and that's on that's compounding you know the last two years matt matt rule kind of used him like a boxer the horse in uh, animal farm that's kind of a high school english reference there but uh they just like rode that horse until you know you're strong we're gonna we're gonna run to you a lot we're gonna use you and then you die and we're gonna send you the glue factory and and Matt Rule eked every ounce out of Charlie Brewer he could and and Brewer is evidently dealing with some lasting ramifications of that absurd usage I I, you know I gotta say I didn't think we get an animal animal farm reference I really didn't but that's that's impressive yeah so it, it and it's funny too because we were both at media days last year and I think Rule talked about, like, yeah, like, Brewer's tough, but we can't use him that much. It's very similar to what Herman said about Ellinger. And uh, I remember asking Denzel Mims, like, hey, what about Brewer? He goes, oh, like, it's 
great that he lays his body on the line. It's like, yeah, it is. But like, maybe he should stop because he's not like, it's not healthy. Like sincerely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also laughing because you at media days is like asking players about, you know, game, uh, like game trends and big picture narratives. And I go up and I'm like, Hey, Shaywo, no one knows how to pronounce your name. Can I film you saying it and put it on Twitter? And he was like, yeah, that's good. I bet you got a lot of that. Uh, yeah, but you probably got more interactions with that than I did. So. My, my favorite media day interaction was talking to Kyle Kemp, the uh, Iowa State quarterback. Uh-huh. He's like a computer science major and a huge nerd, and no one wanted to talk to him. And so he and I just chatted for like 20 minutes because Bruce Feldman was at the TCU table. And I was like, well, I can't elbow Bruce out of the way. So I stood in the corner and talked to Kyle Kemp. It was great. Is it Bruce that does the what's your favorite band bit? Or oh, is I don't it, know. Uh, I'm, not that, I'm not that seasoned to know. No, no. It's either, it's either Bruce or it's uh, – no, it's uh, Brett McMurphy, I think. Ah, it's, okay. either, it's either Bruce or Brett. But he asks every coach, what's your favorite band? Bruce? And I was there when he, I think it was, I think it was Neil Brown. Maybe he asked him, what are the, what are the newer coaches? And uh, he was like, well, I don't have a favorite band, but I can tell you my first concert was like that, the Iowa Pig Show or something. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? It was great. It was a good time. That's pretty funny. Bruce Feldman is uh, hilarious because he wears a shirt and tie, but he wears jeans and tennis shoes because he's only on the camera from waist up. <laughs> which is a flex. I like Bruce Feldman. That, that's a good call. Big fan. Uh, yeah. So Charlie Brewer, uh, as a sophomore in 2018, he had a 90 passing grade from PFF. He completed 61.4% of his passes, but it was 7.7 yards per attempt. In 2019, his grade fell to 75.7. In 2020, it's 53.1. Oof. He's completed 65% of his passes, but his depth of target is way smaller. He's only averaging six yards attempt uh, per attempt and, and just really, really been limited on kind of the over-the-top over the threat there, which I think is a damn shame because, like, Tristan, Tristan Ebner, R.J. Sneed, mm-hmm. Gavin Holmes, very talented. Uh, a, a lot of opportunity for explosive play potential on offense there, but it really has been capped by what – uh, either Brewer can physically do or what they're asking Brewer to do. I agree. Uh, Ebner is also a threat in the return game, by the way. Uh, that guy's quick. Yes, Sneed is extremely good. He's physical. He'll shove a cornerback around, but he's also got good speed and he's got good hands. Um, I think Brewer was especially limited against Texas because Baylor was missing two offensive linemen. Uh, I know one, at least one was due to COVID, maybe two. Um, so, you know, we probably didn't get to see his best game there just because Texas was able to get a lot of pressure. But – yeah, it is disappointing because Baylor does have a, some talent at wide out. Um, can I give you one qualm I have with the Baylor offense? It it looks like a high school offense. And I only mean that in like Brewer's cadences and the way they run plays looks like he, he does the clap to uh, uh, for the snap count and everything. It just looks set up like a spread high school team would run an offense. It's, I don't know. It's jarring. I don't know why. Well, what did I have said about TCU's offense all season? No, I, I get that, but come I on mean, now. Larry Fedora is kind of that turn of the, you know, well, it's not turn of the century, turn of the 2010s guy. Cause like, so Alabama LSU, the rematch, what, six to three was 2011? Nine, I think it was nine. To nine, three, right? Nine, nine, nine yeah, sure. Yeah. Only field goals was 2011. 
And there was like an entire generation of offensive coordinators who, who thought, oh, wow, what if we do something weird and we beat these defenses? And that was cool until like 2016 when Saban was like, okay, no, this isn't happening anymore. Right. Um, and so realistically, it's like that wasn't a long-term strategy, but there's a lot of offensive coordinators who came up during that time who – think that is a long-term strategy and Sonny Cumbie is one of them. Larry Fedora is one of them. And so uh, you, you look at this and you think, wow, I've seen more complex offenses in high school. You have because those high school offenses studied what those guys did in 2012 and then innovated. Right. And Larry Fedora has not innovated. Yeah. So I just think, look, we talked about Iowa state's offense being vanilla, like a vanilla spread. I think Baylor's is kind of a vanilla high school spread. Uh, they haven't done any of that innovation that, we talked about um, at, at the high school level, but at, you know, it, Charlie Brewer is still accurate, if not long. And there are some talents at wide receiver. So we'll see. Um, what do the numbers tell us, Parker? Well, so, so Baylor's offense on the whole is uh, just 37.4% success rate, which is 82nd out of 104, I think teams that have played. Um, their, their ISO points per play, which is a measure of explosiveness is 0.95. They're 95th overall. And what's crazy about that grant is their average starting field field position is 35.3. So they are starting on average, uh, across their own 35 yard line and they are just not doing anything with it. They're 91st in finishing drives. Um, and, and so realistically, this offense is, is just really bad. And, and what's crazy to me is with the line talent they have, and I know that they've had to move some guys around, they're, they're only averaging 40.5 success rate on uh, rushes, which is 70th, and on passes, 35.2%, which is 83rd. And Grant, this is all including games against Kansas. So if you just take these, you know, Kansas, treat Kansas like an FCS team and remove these numbers – this Baylor offense has just not moved the ball at all. They punted from the, from the Texas 30. They did do that. They That's do how that. little confidence they have in their offense. Yeah, just, And their field goal kicker. Well, and their field – yeah, and it's a whole other issue, I guess. But, man, just just very, very bad. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's nothing like the Baylor teams we've seen in the past, which were at least kind of feisty on offense, if not good on offense. They could break a big play. Um, yeah, I, so – your number prediction for the game still has Baylor winning. Was it eighteen to thirteen? Yeah, uh, like like it it turns out to like nineteen to fourteen, twenty to fourteen, okay. something like that. Okay, yeah. that that's interesting. It seems like a lot of points for Baylor. It it does. I I I and so the way that I do it, Grant, is I I kind of derive points per drive based on a couple factors. Um, and so I think some of that is the Kansas game playing in. I think some of that is field position playing in. Um, but ultimately, I, I think that this game is going to be decided by defensive points. I think, think both teams are probably going to score on defense. Uh, and, and whoever scores more on defense, I think, will ultimately win because I expect this to be a punt fest. Mm. I mean, Baylor's offense was good last year. And they still couldn't score against TCU. Right. And, and Brewer right. was a little bit hurt then. But, yeah, so, so I think kind of similar situation there. Well, it's a good thing we have Jordy, uh, Jordy Sandy to help us out uh, in the punt fest. So. 
man, how, <laughs> I don't want to look backwards, but man, how frustrating was it that TCU punted and pinned Oklahoma inside their 10? Everyone was like, yeah, this is great. We, you know, flipped the field, yada, yada. And then Oklahoma drove 93 yards in like two plays. I, look, yeah, it, it wasn't good. It was not good at all. I don't blame uh, Jordy Sandy for that specifically. No, that's not his fault. He can't play defense and punt. Um, okay, let's – do you want to do best case, worst case, and then uh, Twitter questions? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you lead off. Uh, as always, we go worst to, worst to best because we're optimists here, despite uh, our track record of not being optimists. Uh, so, so what's your worst case scenario? Max Duggan has not thrown more than two interceptions in a game in his career. <laughs> because he's uh, good. And so I could see, like, I could see this game having seven interceptions between the two defenses. And I, I think Duggan gets hit a lot. Baylor brings pressure. Aranda knows how to disguise that pressure. Uh, kind of baits Duggan into some throws. And, and so not only is it TCU's self-inflicted uh, inability to run the ball uh, on or to move the ball on offense, it is kind of Baylor's defense uh, forcing turnovers, maybe a special, turn, uh, special teams return. The worst I can see this getting grant is like 28 to 14, 28 to 10 Baylor. And that's multiple, multiple pick sixes, punt return, something nonsense, just absolute worst case scenario. Baylor's defense rattles TCU's offense and Baylor's offense is consistent enough against TCU's defense that it doesn't matter. Yeah. I kind of see something similar. I like what you said about special teams play. I think worst case scenario would involve Ebner running one back on a kick return. I think uh, Marvin Mims last week, I think he ran kicks. Was it Mims or whoever ran kicks uh, for Oklahoma kind of showed that, like, hey, there's some weaknesses there. Uh, they had a couple good returns. So, um, yeah, I, I I think Ebner runs one back, and TCU just doesn't get anything going on offense. Iran just fronts, mess with the TCU line. Duggan's running for his life all day. And I agree. I don't think on either side, even worst case, best case, this gets more than two touchdowns apart because the teams aren't that far apart. Uh, but I'll call it a little lower and say 21-7. Uh, and, and kind of err on the lower end for worst case scenario. Um, but let's say it all works, Parker. What's your what's your best case? Okay. Grant, you know how I feel about the running game, right? Uh, yes, you love it. TCU's running game has been, in a word, ass. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? I don't know. I, that's I think I already did today, so that's it's, fine. It's in the Bible. Ass it, is in, the, in Bible, the Bible, so I'm fine yes. with it. Um, Baylor is allowing a 32.3% success rate on passes, less than, less than one out of three passes or successes. They're allowing a 42.3% success rate on, on rushes. TC's rush game has been non-existent. If there ever were a time to get your stable, and I say stable, meaning to imply the analogy of strong, deep cardiovascular uh, running backs. I want to see 20 personnel. I think if TCU says, hey, look, we're going to make short, smart passes. We're going to get possessions to pro wells out of the tight end spot, given that Artavius Lynn is out. We're going to find Johnston closer than 30 yards down the field consistently. We're going to find Conright. We're going to give Barbara the ball in the jet sweep. We're going to give Barbara the ball in the middle of the field. 
uh, if they kind of commit to that short passing game and then a and then a fervent rush game, I think that TCU could could realistically win this game. Uh, you know, thirty three to fifteen. Like I, I could realistically see TCU score three touchdowns, four touchdowns, and and a bunch of field goals, maybe a defensive touchdown. Um, and, and Baylor just have no chance at moving the ball. So I, I'm actually optimistic about that, about TC's ability to kind of exploit Baylor's weaknesses, find some consistency on offense, uh, and, and punch in some of those finishing drives that they haven't been able to do so far. I think if the best case scenario is that Brewer gets picked. It is, there is a legitimate possibility that Brewer gets picked off three to four times in this game. Um, he hasn't thrown the ball downfield, as we talked about. If TCU takes away short routes and makes him go deep, I'm not sure he has the arm strength with his current health to do so. And I also think that because he is limited to throwing short, that lets Merrick and Washington creep up, and they are really, really good at taking away passes over the middle. Brewer is willing to take those shots. And by shots, I mean, like, be aggressive over the middle of the field and try to thread passes through. He is accurate, but Washington and Merrick are very good, and I think that they have the potential to really, really disrupt the other pass game. I don't think they have the rush offense to do so. So I think there's a chance Baylor maybe scores seven points in this game, if things break right for TCU. And this turns out to be 24 to seven. Uh, yeah, I, totally. I, I, I really think that there's a possibility Baylor just cannot do anything. Man. How good offense. would it, how good would it be to see a Garrett Wallow, a gap blitz, man? Oh, I don't know why we haven't done it already. Yeah. Just, I, I just think that could wreak havoc. D winters has been great in coverage. TCU is honestly, I love the three three five. I love Nook Bradford out there instead of a mm-hmm. second defensive tackle. And and I, I think there's just a lot of opportunity for TCU to be very, very disruptive to a very bad Baylor offense. On the contrary, that, that's true for Baylor. I think there's a yeah, lot of Yeah, you could flip that Baylor. and say yeah. the same thing. Um, but but I will give the edge to TCU's defense. I think Baylor is uh, especially their offense has been kind of upward rated by preseason projections. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well let's put a number on it. Um I, I I want to – I'm going to stick with my guns from what I said in the preview. I, I, if I had my druthers, I'd bump down the score a little bit. But give me TCU 27, Baylor 17. Can I tell you that I've, I've bet the under twice because it moved on this game? <laughs> I might bet it again. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I might, go, I might go a third time. I have TCU 17, Baylor 13. Um, it's, Ooh, that's kind of like the, the inverse of my prediction – but it is realistically, uh, you know, that's that's two TCU touchdowns, one offensive, one defensive, a TCU field goal, uh, and then Baylor a touchdown and two field goals, and that that just feels right. It, it does feel right. I agree. Okay, let's go to Twitter questions. Before we do, I have a Twitter update from the number one player in the country in 2021, quarterback Quinn Ewers of South Lake Carroll has, excuse me, class of 2022, has decommitted for the University of Texas. Well, I would, I probably would too, as long as Tom Herman's going to be the pray, coach there. So. Pray for Tom Herman. Um, okay. First question from at Clint underscore Foster 55. If you had to cover one thing at or about TCU with a tarp, what would it be and why? I'm going to refrain from making any jokes and say something I mean sincerely. Uh, the student leaders at the front can go. Uh, the ones in the purple and white stripe overalls. Um, they're, they're, their presence is not needed. I could say that as a former student, and we can put a tarp there instead. 
Yeah, I uh, I agree with that one. I had four or five jokes that would have pleased no one. And so I'm glad <laughs> that we did that. Um, gosh, I really want to tell a story about the super frog statue that's in the commons and student government and the scandal there. But uh, anyone who's around will know about that. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I have connections to that. That's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and, and so... Uh, I honestly want to get rid of the fireworks of the game. Can I just tell, can I say that? Can I be like the most fun hating person in the entire world? Um, it's, it, TCU doesn't score points anymore. And it just feels sad when TCU scores their one touchdown of the game and they do fireworks. And so I, I, I want to, again, we're going to do an off season podcast about the TCU game day experience. I think the fireworks are what I want to cover. Okay. Your funeral. Um, from our friends at the 1012 podcast, will this be more or less watchable than the Cheez It Bowl? Okay, one, this is, this is like implying the Cheez It Bowl was not watchable. The oh, Cheez It Bowl was fun. a legitimately, amazingly hilarious college football game. Like, yes, it was bad. Both teams were bad, but it was so exciting. There was, was everything good. you could want from college football games. So I, I think this is going to be less watchable, watchable yes. than the Cheez It Bowl, just because the Cheez It Bowl was amazing. Sheer entertainment value. Yes, for sure. Yeah, absolutely less, uh, less watchable. Uh, from uh, Tommy at TRF51, whatever happened to Agent Zero? I have not even seen him on the sideline. Great question, Tommy. Can I give you the official story? Please. Marcel Brooks, in the three snaps he took against Texas, sustained a hamstring injury and is not progressing well in his rehab. Okay. Can I give you the real story? Yes. Marcel Brooks posted on his Instagram that he was done with football and going home. So he did what the it. hell yeah. does that mean? I, I don't know, man. Uh, no one knows what's has, going has on. Has anyone seen Marcel Brooks? I have no idea. I, I've also not seen Agent Zero. Um, I'm, fine, I'm fine speculating there because I'm not a journalist and the journalists don't know either. I have no idea what's happening there. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, the aforementioned at Will Brasher. So bet Baylor plus two and a half and under 48. These numbers make them seem like easy picks. Talking about your numbers, Parker, that you posted on Twitter. Take the under, uh, bet TCU. Be my advice. Yeah. Uh, I got the under at 52 on Sunday night. Golly, that's yeah. a win. And then I bet it again at 48. So <laughs> I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm doubling down. I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. Later tonight. Absolutely. Um, also, my numbers are getting dialed in pretty good. I'll, I'll post a thing at the end of the season of like, hey, here's how well I did. I did real well last week. So, boy. Um, yeah, so, so, so I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any, uh, anyone slide in your DMs? Any yes, I, I, have, I have two questions. Uh, one, does Baylor have a single player at any position that is better than the TCU starter on the opposite? So not like wide receiver versus corner, but like corner versus corner, for instance. Right, what, what's you. the player that's, that's absolutely better than TCU? Uh, Terrell Bernard, edge rusher. I would also go probably Bradley King, uh, the defensive end. Depending on how Kari Coleman develops, he could be a good rusher, but I, I like Baylor's uh, defensive line. Okay, wait, point of order. Isn't Terrell Bernard the Garrett Wallow of that defense? Wallow doesn't edge rush, does he? Yeah, Not oh, as much well. as he should. Well, he gets sent on blitzes, but I, I thought they were both the linebacker. Again, I just looked at usage I, and size, so I, I, I might be off on that. 
they used him at edge a lot is all I'm but saying. Any, uh, and any then, edge rusher on Baylor absolutely it's better than, dominates. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, depending on where Bernard is used, if when he's edge rushing, he's better than the TCU equivalent. And I think Brad the King's a good transfer. Uh, outside of that though, I mean I think I think it really is favorable towards TCU. So I kind of did this off the top of my head earlier today and I said quarterback, I'm taking Duggan over Brewer, especially Brewer with yep. his current limitations. Uh, wide receivers, I'm saying slightly TCU, but I'd understand if you wanted Baylor, so I'm calling that a push. Offensive line, Baylor is better than TCU. I think Connor Galvin is a better lineman than anyone mm-hmm. Baylor has. I think the, the grad transfer from, from UCLA is better than anyone TCU has. Um, the D-line, like I just said, Baylor is better. The linebackers, I'd actually favor TCU just because D. Winters has been so good. Yep. Uh, and the defensive backs, I would say TCU Obviously, is TCU. way better. Yeah. Uh, again, Noah Daniels is hurt, so that changes the calculus a little bit. I still think, on average, uh, pretty bad, a lot better. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what what TCU does with um, Noah Daniels out. Maybe they'll go for Nook Bradford in the three three five just to get a better coverage fit. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either, but yeah, no, I think that's completely fair. Okay. The other the other question, uh, I have one or two, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through these. Hold on. Um, the other one is, is using four backs beneficial for TCU? They've kind of distributed that. Why are they using Foster when Miller or Barlow has been more efficient? Shehan, I, I went on, I went Shehan's uh, Republic of Football podcast today, and they asked me about this too. TCU's kind of been spreading the love at running back. Grant, what's your take on that? Why is that more efficient? Why do they keep doing that? Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, it certainly reduces wear and tear. And I also probably would guess there hasn't been a standout. Um, one person hasn't won the job. And I think uh, I'm not carrying water for the coaches. I think all four are probably better in different roles. I would love to see more Zach Evans. Cause I think he's probably the most versatile and has the most quote unquote talent. How uh, good did he look in the passing game? He looked extremely good Oklahoma. in the passing game. Oh, he extremely it. good in the passing game. Mm, I want uh, more of it. Yeah. Like on a third down, if, if, you expect him to bring the heat. Don't put Kenji Miller in. Um, he's not the best pass blocker on the team. If you want some good yards, put Miller in. He's a good runner. Um, they just serve different purposes. Um, TC probably doesn't have an every down back. Again, we haven't seen all of Zach Evans yet, but uh, so I would guess that's why. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I have a couple questions about uh, – I'm going to tease this. The list, um, which is my this – is, This is all you potential replacements for offensive coordinator. I'm going to do what I did last year a little bit and say TCU's coaches are fixed until the end of the season. So I'm going to work on this. I'm not going to talk about this until the end of the season. Um, the, the other one is our, our friend, Will Taylor, uh, a friend of the pod uh, asked me about offensive line. And um, I think we've talked about that a lot. I think with Wes Harris out, things get very, very bad, very quick. Yeah, they get Lance, dark. Lance came in and looked okay against Oklahoma, but you start thinking about the tackles aren't good. If somebody else gets hurt, we're talking about Chris Dyke playing. And, like, love him. Love his hair. Big fan. But, man, it, it, it could get real bad real quick on the offensive line, not to say it's not bad right now. So I've said a lot about the offensive line, and I, I think I'm content with what I've said. But I'll just note, if TCU gets one more injury on the offensive line, I don't even know if we'll beat Kansas, man. We'll beat Kansas, Parker. Kansas is very bad. 
but I agree. The, the offensive line is 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 troubling. I, it's really funny. Before the season, I think we were kind of high on the offensive line. I think I <laughs> said the phrase we, addition by subtraction. We did, and we also said like, hey, there's a ton of depth. And now we're like, oh, maybe not. We um, tested the gods and we are being punished. We are being, we are being punished. Um, okay, are we deep enough in the podcast where I can bring something up that's a grievance of mine? Yes. I mean, I'm editing out oh, so many things in this podcast. Great. So. That's perfect. Can if, we talk if about... Someone, if someone becomes a double secret subscriber, I'll release this unedited podcast perfect. to them. I like Carter Ware. Oh, no. <laughs> and I feel really bad. I'm so glad that I'm not the one to bring this up. He's a good dude and is um, a hard worker. And I'm not saying he's untalented. I'm saying that like, legitimately like he's earned a starting role in his usage because he works hard. Uh, what, what position does he earn a starting role at, though? Fullback? Whatever they use yeah. as. Um, I, and I'm not trying to bury him because like, I think he's been like a – not a punching bag, but he just keeps getting used in places that are weird. Yes, so absolutely. We're not trying – it's not – it is not Carter Ware's fault at all. He is good at what he is supposed to. He is in in the words of the great Pam Beasley, when a kid takes yes, a car yeah. and drives into you know drives into a pole, you don't blame the kid. You blame the thirty year old woman who sat in the driver's seat and said, "Drive, kid." Right. I trust you. And and to to Carver's credit, he hasn't driven the office off course. Okay. Now that now that we've done all these caveats, why is Parker Ware the offensive representative at the TC press conferences? I have no idea. Because like, state media, state media, we're deep enough. This is fine. State media, friggin' public relations. It, that's all it is. That is all it is. I, I know, Not answering I know. difficult questions. And so I'll say there's a, there's, there's a continuum, right? Because TCU sent Austin Myers out after the Kansas State game, which is reprehensible. Um, yeah. But that is a level of deflection about the coaching staff. That is deflecting from the coaching staff. Carter Ware going out there is also deflecting from the coaching it's, staff. It's oh no, Artavius Lynn is hurt. Here's Carter Ware who's going to take his spot. No, he's not. Carter Ware has put his hand to the ground two times at TCU. And I know that because I've confirmed that on video evidence and I talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like they're going to put him in the backfield. They're going to run 11 personnel. They're not going to bring Pro Wells down and put his hand in the ground more. Like, or sorry, let me rephrase that. They're going to put Pro Wells at the tight end before they put Carter Ware. They're going to, they're going to mess around with the, with the personnel wide receiver. Hmm. Um, I, I think that is 100% uh, spinning positives, knowing that TCU is going to lose a bunch this year and, and trying to keep goodwill up until 2021. I also, first off, and, and okay, one other thing too, there's a joke I want to make. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad Carter is getting publicity. It is fun to talk to the media. So I'm sure it's a great experience. And he should be rewarded. He has and worked he his rewarded. ass off. He has worked Absolutely. his ass off. Absolutely. Do you, are you a Dave Chappelle fan at all? Do you yeah. yeah, I've seen, okay. I've seen his stuff. Okay. I like the Chappelle show. Yeah. He, has, he has a joke about watching cover, TV coverage on 9-11. Oh, and no. they, they bring in Ja Rule. And uh, he's like, guys, I kind of think Ja Rule just doesn't have the answers that I'm looking <laughs> for right now. So, you know, if something happens, my first reaction is, where is Ja? We need Ja. When something happens, Carter Ware may have ans- may not have the answers that I'm looking for right now. It's just, yeah. it, they brought in David Balasomi last year at like three different press conferences, and it's like, dude, I which there's is, nothing nice I want to ask David Balasomi. Like, which I, is why I will never be a journalist, and I will never get media access at TCU because, like, you know, again, I'm going to the office too, but I would just 
you know how Michael does the exit interview with Toby and he's like, <laughs> why are you the way that you are? No, he's like, he's like, where do you oh, get the, yeah. like, who <laughs> yes. gave you the right? Who do you think <laughs> you are? You are. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's of all it. the idiots and all the idiot <laughs> villages in the world. Yeah. And so again, David Balsami's a nice guy. He's bad at football. I'm, Incre- I'm very comfortably saying. Incredibly smart, by the way, David Balsami. Oh, I'm uh, sure. Really uh, smart dude. Uh, I'm sure. Also, Max was out in the Baylor game. It it shouldn't have mattered. Balsami got a stupid holding penalty, and TCU yes, was yeah, 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 anyway. yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's yeah. neither here nor there. No, I know. Uh, if you're anyway, still so listening at this point, if you're still listening, thank this, is you. The, this is the inside baseball that you come for. I wanted to bury this deep in the podcast. You I should hang up. Yeah, that I think it's BS. That's my take. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, let's this, let's 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 call it, Grant. We're going to call it, if TCU loses eight games this season, we'll do the off-season podcast everyone wants us to do. That's all I'll say. I agree. Um, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your co-host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me my co-host, Grant McGalliard. You can follow us on Twitter. Um, yeah, we're, we're excited about the game this weekend. We're excited to be on Twitter. We're talking. I also want to just take a minute. I'm just flattered by the people that have subscribed. The, the, the number of yeah. people that have subscribed to Purple Theory is way more than I ever thought would. And, you know, we're not doing this for income. We both have day jobs. We just, this is a hobby that we love and, and, and it takes time and effort. And so we're glad to be rewarded for that in any way. And, you know, interaction on Twitter and, and the internet is fun and the podcast listeners is great. And a little bit of financial reimbursement so I can drink three beers and do this podcast is just, uh, just flattering. So yeah, um, it's the thank, best. Thanks also, to all like, you guys. Yeah. You're, the interaction like gives us ideas. So we really appreciate it. Like, a lot of our listeners are very smart and have good opinions that we talk about on the podcast. So that's super fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so we love that we're, we're, you know, we're analysts, but we're TCU fans. And so this is great to be a part of it. Um, We'll be back uh, on Sunday with the, with the recap, win or lose, happy or sad and uh, catch us on Friday with the the weekend highlight where we kind of rope in some friends and and get some good thoughts about the game this weekend. Make sure you see Grant's schemes and storylines. Those those I know that I know he described the pictures well, but it, it comes across a little bit better about Baylor's scheme when you have the actual mm-hmm. screenshots in there. So make sure you catch that. I've got my advanced stats preview up. And uh, as always, if if you're a subscriber and you're on Twitter, make sure you DM me. I have a little private list uh, and we interact a little bit there. So um, other than that, I, I think that's our podcast and uh, go frogs. Go frogs. RIP Billy Joe Shaver.